Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Let's get ready to rumble! Information jam-packed show today. Peloton of 5%. What's up, discipline investor? We got Benzinga CEO Jason Raznick here with us. The man, the myth, the legend, Tom Nash. Peter Schiff on the Power Hour with us live today. Interesting, different, unique, innovative companies. Mia, you are live with us on the Power Hour. What's up? Thank you so much for inviting me on. Jessica Billingley, that is the CEO of Aperna. The best trade idea resource out there. What is up, Zinger Nation? Happy Monday. You know what that means. The markets are back open. We're trading. It's lunchtime. How's everyone doing? We do have an exciting company coming up, OptiNose. The ticker is OPTN. I'm excited for that. I'm, we're going to go ahead and bring their CEO, Peter Miller, on here in a second. Peter, how's it going? It's going great. How you guys doing? Good. Thank you for taking time out of your busy Monday to join us here on Power Hour, Zinger Nation. Um, everyone out there in the chat, say what's up to Peter. Um, so OptiNose. Do you want to start by just giving our audience a little bit of background on the company, uh, what it is y'all do? Yeah, we. Um, I actually got involved with the company back in about 2010, and the company sort of built off a really genius idea to get drug much higher and deeper in the nasal cavity than traditional intranasal delivery. And the obvious next question is, so what? So what if you can get drug high and deep in the nasal cavity? Um, there's real advantages if you understand sort of how what you can take advantage of by high and deep delivery in the nasal cavity. And we think sort of the killer app of the technology, if you will, is to treat a disease in the nose called chronic rhinosinusitis. So very big market, affects about 30 million people in the United States. And up until our entry into the market, um, pretty much the only thing that worked in the treatment of this disease was surgery. And I don't know if either of you guys, did any of you guys have chronic rhinosinusitis? Um, uh, you know, is that when you have to get like a deviated septum surgery or? Uh, it, it, deviated septum is, is a part of it, but that's just a small piece of the broad audience of chronic rhinosinusitis. As I said, it affects 30 million people in the United States, 10 million being actively treated by any physician. Um, about 7 million people cumulatively have had surgery, about 600,000 surgeries per year. And up until our entry into the market, um, there wasn't a lot to really help these patients. We have this simple idea. It's a very simple concept of taking a really good drug that only works topically and getting it back behind a whole series of structures in the nose so the drug can actually work because it only works where you put it. And we have a device that is ingenious of getting drug very high and deep where this disease is. So a very simple idea. And uh, behind this uh, product, OptiExhance, uh, we launched the product first full year in 2018, did about $30 million of revenue that year, uh, in, excuse me, 2019, first full year of launch. 2020, obviously, we had uh, impact of COVID, still grew the business by over 60% in revenue. So despite a market, our market was down about 30%, uh, we grew the, the, our business about 60%. Uh, and this year, we've guided that we're going to produce at least minimally 80 million of revenue. So again, growing another 60% uh, in, a, in a sort of still, what is up until now, a reasonably challenging market from a COVID perspective. Yeah, and definitely a lot of focus with COVID the last like year or so on uh, really just breathing in general, right? And uh, 
you know, I, I know, so, so we've been doing some, or I've been doing some research. I was reading a book actually talking about how important it is to be breathing through your nose as opposed to your mouth. Yeah, it's James, like very, James Nestor, right? James yep, Nestor, called that's Breath. The, book. That's, that's the book, yep. And uh, reading it, it was just fascinating, like all the stats that he presents about how many people are breathing like through their mouth as opposed to the nose and, and all the damaging side effects of this. So this, uh, your company and the drug that you guys are making is something that can kind of help alleviate that, help alleviate all the people that aren't able to breathe through their nose, right? Yeah, and this disease, chronic rhinosinusitis, it's not really well understood. We actually call it sort of the Rodney Danger field of diseases because it doesn't have high mortality, means that it doesn't necessarily kill people, but it has what we call high morbidity, which is a very significant impact on how people function. And this disease, by the way, affects people in a similar way as uh, asthma, COPD, congestive heart failure, so very serious diseases. Um, the quality of life impact this disease has is, is very similar. Um, our product, by the way, um, doesn't work just a little bit better than conventional intranasal delivery. It really works dramatically differently. And you can actually see uh, on the screen there why it works so well. Conventional intranasal delivery only deposits drug really on the front part of your nose because there's a whole series of structures in your nose that make delivery very difficult using what we call exhalation delivery systems, using what I call the magic of the breath to sort of guide the medicine high and deep in the nasal cavity, we produce what you see in the image on the right there, which is very broad distribution of drug throughout the nasal cavity. And why it matters in the treatment of this disease is where you see in the image on the right, which is exhalation delivery versus the image on the left, which is intranasal delivery traditional, you see much broader drug deposition and as a result, patients get a lot better when they're on our medicine. We actually can compare how our product works to surgery. We actually produce a reasonably similar outcome as surgery in terms of getting patients better from an outcome standpoint. And obviously much, much less expensive uh, than surgeries, which can cost sixteen dollars to $25,000 a year. So really a brilliant way uh, to treat uh, the people who have this disease. Very easy to do. And as I said, building a really nice business right now. Um, with an initial indication, which I think, you know, in drugs, you sort of get one indication, which sort of allows you to treat a certain group of patients. We have a broadening of our label. So we're getting a second indication to treat a population that's about 10 times as big as the initial population that we're treating. So despite the growth that we've achieved to date, um, you know, we have, we believe we're going to have, you know, the opportunity for really significant growth uh, in the very near future. Yeah. And then Peter, speaking of growth, so I see that the Xhance total prescriptions went from or grew 70% from 2019 to 2020. Um, what do you think investors can kind of expect moving forward? Similar numbers or, or higher growth, lower growth? Well, this year, as I said, on a revenue basis, which, you know, the prescriptions and the revenues stay reasonably close, if you will, because the pricing doesn't vary that much year to year. But uh, this year we've guided 80 million of revenue off of a $48.5 million year last year, just about 50 million. So revenue growth and reasonably comparable prescription growth in excess of 60%. And as I said earlier, that's prior to the expansion of our label. Um, which we are completing the trials. We expect to have data from the first of, of a pivotal trial uh, in, the, in the first quarter of next year, data from our second trial in the first half of next year, which means that we'd have the launch of that product or that indication potentially in 2023. So, you know, we expect to see very nice growth 
you know, continuing across this year and into next year with the potential for really explosive growth in 2023 behind uh, the potential new indication for the product. Got it. So it sounds like investors have a lot to look forward there. Uh, Ramon in the chat is asking how many people are affected. I believe you said 30 million with about a third of that 10 million being actively treated. Um, and then he said, do you have any competitors? So I'd imagine the competition is, is mainly those, the surgeries. And then this is like a, you know, other measure to avoid the surgery. Is that correct? Well, that's, that's very insightful. I mean, the, the competition really is traditional intranasal sprays, which, as I said earlier, they don't really work. So typically people start with a product like Flonase. You're probably familiar with Flonase, but 75% of physicians and 80% of, of patients recognize that the product doesn't work for chronic rhinosinusitis. It actually works reasonably well for allergic rhinitis. So that's sort of first-line therapy. Um, we actually recently got recognized uh, by a leading group of experts from six major um, sort of medical societies, the American Rhinological Society, uh, the big allergy societies, the experts in treating this disease. And their recommendation was start on an intranasal spray, but if you fail on that therapy, you go to exhalation delivery system, which is Xhance, before surgery, which as you said, that's really the only thing that worked up until recently. But the biologics, you're probably familiar with biologics, have also entered in to our disease area, by the way, at a cost of about $40,000 per patient per year. So very expensive to treat. We cost, by the way, about $800 uh, per patient per year, if you will. So order of magnitude, very different in terms of the cost to the overall healthcare system. Um, but the biologics, as I said, have sort of come in as a, you know, quote unquote competitor. We really don't consider them a competitor, however, because if you think about where we fit in the treatment paradigm, we're for patients who, as I said, really shouldn't, the experts are saying, enhance should be used prior to surgery and prior to these biologics, which are really for the very, very sick patients. Right. And yeah, I mean, I can't emphasize enough in the chat. If, if anyone's interested in these sort of diseases, you know, what's going on nasally, uh, Read this book, Breath by James Nestor, because it gives a lot of insight into the company. I'm glad you're familiar with that, Peter, um, or not not into the company, but into the those diseases. And where are you guys located? Uh, we're right outside of Philadelphia, up uh, just north of the Philadelphia area. Okay, so we're in Detroit, so in the Midwest, but I'm from Missouri initially. And there's a lot, at least where I'm from, like allergies, like there's a lot of people that just have chronic allergies to where um, really, yeah, a lot of that breathway is impeded and people don't breathe well through their nose. So definitely something that, um, you know, hopefully your product will be able to alleviate. This disease, by the way, you know, as you said, it, it actually affects people year round. The person who has chronic rhinosinusitis, they suffer, you know, pretty severely four to six months of the year. It is exacerbated as you're bringing up the by seasonal allergies. Um, and interestingly, when that happens, people get really sick. They go to see a doctor, they typically get an infection and they often get times get an antibiotic, which antibiotics are used very broadly in the United States. Um, we don't have this data yet, um, but we're going to get data. We believe that if you can keep the infection, the, excuse me, the inflammation from really overtaking the nose, if you will, you, you potentially could prevent all of these infections and therefore all this antibiotic use. So um, we do see a little bit of a seasonality because of the allergens in the air. Um, but frankly, as I said, people suffer from this disease year round. Um, it's really a horrible disease if you know anybody who has it. It's uh, not fun.
Yeah, and actually, uh, something one of my favorite parts in that book is when he does the experiment where he clogs his nose for like 10 straight days, and they do, um, the doctors and everything take all of his vitals, they they see the difference really of like how your body's operating when you're breathing through your mouth versus just through your nose. Um, so definitely, like you said, like with the Rodney Dangerfield not getting the respect, there's so much so much emphasis on all these things in the medical field, and correct breathing is oftentimes overlooked. By the way, we, we actually were talking to one of the major health insurers in the United States, one of the largest health insurers, and they did a very interesting analysis looking longitudinally at, at the cost of a patient, if you will. So not just by disease, but what does this patient cost in total? And interestingly, if you put those patients in deciles, um, the top five deciles of chronic rhinosinusitis patients are among the most expensive patients in this insurer because they have comorbidities. The inability to breathe through your nose causes sleep issues, actually has real issues with depression in terms of comorbidity because people just feel lousy all the time. So you're insightful to point out, and James Nestor, you know, New York Times bestselling author, also pointed out, if you can pr improve nasal functioning, not only does it have the potential to sort of reduce surgical costs, reduce the cost of one of biologics, but it has a potential enormous sort of health benefit uh, beyond just sort of what you would think. Um, as you, you probably read in the book, actually, in, you know, people who who, you, who could breathe through their nose, who formerly could not, actually lowered bl blood pressure in this small little study that this guy did. So um, it's interesting. And, and as I said, we think we have a, a really novel treatment option, very affordable, not only for the healthcare system, but for patients. Um, and we actually produce reasonable revenue on a prescription basis. We net about $200 per prescription per patient. Um, we've sort of figured out the model, if you will, of getting insurance coverage. We actually have 80% of plans have enhanced as a covered benefit. And the huge majority of our patients pay, pay pretty much nothing for our product. 80% um, of patients pay zero out-of-pocket costs with the sort of patient assistance program we put together. So um, the product not only really works, affordable for the healthcare system, therefore we have broad payer coverage, and also very affordable for patients which is why you're seeing the growth numbers that we've achieved over the past few years. Yeah, I mean, if the, if the treatment's comparable, I don't know why anyone would opt in for an expensive surgery or you're going to have, you know, recovery time and all that versus just having a nasal spray that actually works, which I'm sure a lot of people are turned off by nasal sprays like Flonase and stuff when they, they don't work properly. Um, no, you've hit the nail on that. And we said, we, did, we have really exciting news with this expert consensus on the treatment paradigm I described a minute ago. And as a little company, you work hard. We have about 100 salespeople out in the market detailing doctors. But this publication that came out very recently was in the major publication of the major journal um, of, one of the one of the leading ENT societies. And it basically, as I said earlier, puts us right in a step care paradigm uh, which we think is very important for us, sort of getting recognized by the experts as important in the treatment of this disease. So we're very excited about the prospects for the back half of the year uh, behind that new news. And as I said earlier, probably the biggest news is yet to come with clinical trial data on our on a broadening of our label, which, as I said earlier, expands our market by about ten million by about tenfold. Excuse me. Um, so. Uh, we're feeling very, very good about uh, our, our company and our business and everything all the way around right now. 
So yeah, you mentioned the market opportunity. Do you know what the total market opportunity is for treating uh, the different diseases that- Yeah, sure, and I can explain it based on, so our first indication is for what's called nasal polyps. And if you look at nasal polyps, so chronic rhinosinusitis presents in two groups, about half the population gets, excuse me, about a third of the population gets nasal polyps and about two thirds does not. The FDA calls the first group, the indication for the first group, nasal polyps. They call the indication for the second group, chronic sinusitis. So we believe nasal polyps enables a launch in the ENT allergy specialty segment. It's a little bit more of a nuanced indication. And in that market, there's about 1 million people who have nasal polyps being treated by ENT allergy specialists. I said earlier that we our net per patient per year is about $800. So you take your $800 per patient per year times that million, you get roughly a billion dollar market opportunity in that segment. Now we do get some use outside of nasal polyps in the sort of broader chronic sinusitis market in that population. But the broader population, the CS market, there's about 10 million people being treated by any physician, as I said earlier, 10 million patients versus the million patients being treated with nasal polyps. So the market opportunity there, you take your 10 million patients times $800 per patient per year, you get a very significant market opportunity in excess of you know, approaching $8 billion uh, in terms of market opportunity. It's part of the reason we believe the product really has potential to be a in excess of a billion dollars. Um, because in my experience, I've actually run major pharmaceutical companies, actually built my own company from scratch. In essence, I was one of the companies that was operating medical clinics inside retail pharmacy staff by nurse practitioners. So I built that company very successfully and sold it to Walgreens. But in my experience, it's not unusual when you have a product as good as our product is relative to other products in the market, that achieving about a 20% or 30% share is not unusual. So you take your 8 billion TAM, uh, get achieve a 20% market share, which as I said, in my experience is not unusual. You have a product you know, well in, in excess of a billion dollars, get to a 30% share, you can have a $2 billion uh, product opportunity. And I'll tell you, you know, based on our experience with physicians and patients, we believe we're well on our way to achieving that. Wow, yeah, so that sounds like you're, you have kind of ambitious goals as far as achieving a, a 25, 30% market cap that'd be or market opportunity of the 8 billion that would be huge um and then what about for people that so for people that do have uh chronic sinusitis so getting sinus infections whatnot oftentimes doctors will refer them to get their tonsils taken out correct uh that's a related it sometimes is related actually more common is eustachian tube dysfunction um but that, the airways are connected. So, you know, some of the problem that people have is that because the nose, which is, by the way, it's not what you see in the front of your face, it's what's behind it. Um, there's epithelium that is in the nasal cavity that's much like the epithelium in the lung because you breathe through your nose and you breathe through your mouth into your lungs. That's all one system, if you will. So it's part of what we were talking about earlier. As you get complications in the nose, you also tend to have complications elsewhere. There's high comorbidity with asthma, uh, with chronic rhinosinusitis. So as you pointed out, I'm delighted you read James Nestor's book. It's a great book. Um, we actually had, James Nestor was actually interviewed by people from the American Rhinological Society because of the criticality of learning to breathe through your nose, sort of educating people on that. But there's a real relationship between breathing properly through your nose and the rest of how your body functions. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, we keep referring back to that book, but I can't think of a book that I've read recently where I, I think about it more like on a daily basis. If I ever catch myself breathing through my mouth, I think back to that um, book. And so, yeah, what, you know, we, we, we heard that word a lot over the last year, comorbidities, just talking about other kind of one health problem leading to another, having multiple. And it was fascinating to me just how many derived from that, from not being able to breathe properly. You get sleep apnea, so you're not sleeping as well. Then your blood pressure is higher and then this and then that. And it all starts with. Well, and you can imagine, by the way, you have the benefit of being able, most people have the benefit of being able to breathe through your nose. And it's really just training your body. People, you know, become mouth breathers, mouth breathers for lots of reasons. So you can train yourself to breathe through your nose, but think about the people who are so congested, they literally cannot breathe through your nose. And that's where our product comes in. Um, our product, you know, significantly reduces that congestion, significantly reduces the sinus pain and pressure that people feel. Many of these patients lose their sense of smell and taste. Um, a third of people who have chronic sinusitis have, have impact on taste and smell. So it's just not a fun disease, you know, truly not a fun disease. Yeah, something that Nestor says in that book is he says, mouth breathing begets more mouth breathing. So by not using your nose to breathe and you're using your mouth, then it will start clogging up those airways even further in your nose. It's like, you know, use it or lose it, one of those muscles. Um, I, I worry, though, you might upset some uh, plastic surgeons with your product because then people will have less of a reason to go to, to plastic surgery and get it covered by insurance because of the medical. <laughs> You know, what's interesting is the majority of ENTs who do these surgeries, um, a, a significant portion of the practice is met is a sort of medical treatment, not just surgical treatment, because most patients don't want to get the surgery. These surgeries are not fun. Um, and they also don't cure the disease. The problem here is inflammation high and deep in the nasal cavity. We treat the inflammation with a really effectively topically acting steroid, but surgery doesn't solve the problem. So most people after a few years, the inflammation comes back and the symptoms come back. So it's why we think, as I said, we're just a really novel, interesting treatment option for the disease. Yeah, I mean, again, like this, it's a serious problem. So if you're able to fix it without doing the expensive surgery, I can imagine that it will become more and more of a popular um, product and a popular way to treat that. Um, so yeah, Peter, thank you for joining us. Uh, is there anything else you want to leave our investors with? Anything that they can look forward to over the next year, maybe the year out? Yeah, well, as I said, the two biggest things to look forward to is in the back half of this year, we think we could create even further acceleration for our business behind these guidelines that I mentioned, sort of the step care paradigm that was released by our group experts. So very excited about that. But probably most importantly is this data that's coming in the back half of the year. Our stock has currently significantly been shorted. Um, as a lot of companies in our position, single product, pharmaceutical companies, I th I'm sure you know there's a thesis of short the launch by many of these short sellers. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to the next year because, um, you know, we're, if we continue our, our revenue curve at the rate that it's going now, and obviously I'm not guiding that we're going to, I'm saying if we were to do that, uh, we're going to get to cash flow break even from our operations with a very significant indication on the way. So um, we're feeling great about the company. I, I just couldn't be more excited. We've got a great product. We've got a great team. We've got a great strategy. So appreciate you having me on. Of course, and solving a real problem. Yeah, we had someone in the chat, Golden Age Recordings, point out the, uh, the, the float that's being shorted. I wasn't going to bring it up, but you did. So, 
Well, by the way, it's part of the reason our share price is depressed. But, you know, I always tell the team as frustrating as that is, our focus is on building the business. And in my experience, I've run lots of companies now. I'm a lot older than you guys. Um, but in my experience, if you have a great product with the right strategy, a great team, stay focused on producing results. And that's what we've been doing over the past couple of years. Um, you know, things take care of themselves. And that's the team's focus right now. Beautiful. Awesome. All right, Peter. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, stay in contact. Anytime you have news, anything like that, reach back out to us. We'd love to have you back on. We'd love to cover the news. Um, and yeah, cool company. The ticker well, is. Thanks. thanks so much. I actually enjoyed, I enjoyed listening to your show. Um, well, hey, thanks so much. Good luck with everything and we'll be in touch. All right, guys, that was Optino CEO Peter joining us. And we got money, Mitch. Money, what's Mitch. What's up? What's up? I heard breathing, breathing, man. Uh, believe <laughs> it or not. Um, I've been I've been working on my breathing also. I've been uh, tr I've been practicing for another 14er. If you guys don't know what it is, you know that's a, a mountain over 14,000 feet. So you know, with that being said, especially when you're in altitude, you really need to be breathing in through your nose because if not, what you're gonna do is you're just gonna start literally kind of poisoning yourself by breathing in through your mouth. A lot of people don't understand this, but I know long term runners also do this and focus on this, too. Let's say if you're cross country or in track or if you had a bad coach like I did in baseball, you might need to learn this process of breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. It really does help you, especially if you're going for long distances and anything athletic. You definitely need to be bringing in the correct oxygen. Yeah, one of the things they did like an experiment in the book we were talking about in the interview where they had like Olympic rowers on a rowing machine and they had them breathe through their nose and then their, and then their mouth. And when they breathed through their mouth, they had to breathe like twice as many times each minute while they were rowing versus in their nose, they were breathing like 20 times a minute. In their mouth, they were breathing like 40 times a minute. Yeah. So you actually get like more oxygen, like what you're talking about, Mitch, when you need to retain all that oxygen you need to on a 14er. On a so I, I'm silly, and I actually thought, because when you're hiking a 14er, right, you start at, like, say, you know, 8,000 or 9,000 feet, and then you hike the rest up. I thought yeah. you did the whole 14,000 feet. Oh, bro, if you, if you've ever done 3,000 uh, feet in elevation, just, just 3,000. It doesn't even matter if you're going up to four. 14,000 just the change in altitude could give you headaches can make you kind of queasy the the body's not used to changing that much you know one of the things is that especially in in 14,000 the oxygen is already thin up there I mean you're you literally above clouds like you see the clouds underneath you so when you're doing your next 14 or you know where you're starting at which one is it first of all uh Mount Burstash okay so I, I did Mount Evans last year. So I'm looking to do the one that's right across it, literally right across it. So I'm, I'm going to go do the other one up. Uh, let's take a look really quickly at the market before we get on out of here. I know we got three minutes left for the next show. I wanted to take a look here at some of the stocks that are moving. Today, I, I called out big tech. I said, watch the big tech. Look at look what we got up today. Microsoft, nice move. Google with a nice move up. Um, that's up over a percent visa up over one and a half percent. That one's an interesting move. Also with visa, you could kind of look at, let's say, uh, how PayPal's doing. Um, one that's been really impressive shop Shopify that hasn't turned around guys. This, this is a monster. I don't know if you've seen this move drew lately, but look at shops move. Woo, that's <laughs> a move right there, especially for a high price stock. You know, those stocks don't move that fast. Uh, snap looking good today. Look at that daily chart. 
Not a bad looking push off of that kind of trend line look. Uh, you can take a look at that. Apple having a good day. It recovered. It keeps coming towards this trend line and recovering, looking well now, uh, starting to push back up. Really, this is all about if we look at the market, right? If we look at the overall market, take a look at the SPY, we'll see what happened today. A recovery, gap down, and what does it do? It tries to fill the gap, and that's exactly what we got today. The biggest question is, are we going to get a crack near the close? This is the five-minute on the SPY. You see how it's been uptrending all the way up? It uptrended, yes, but it went and it filled the gap. That's the only thing that's concerning me a little bit because if you look at the daily, we had this gap down right here. Now we filled that gap. Now the question is, are we going to get up towards the 621 or if we're going to turn around here and test back down at least closer towards this kind of like 418 area where near that trend line could hit. Um, what are you thinking today? Nice nice little run up there on the five-minute. What do you think about the overall market today looking, Drew? Yeah. Um, Friday was definitely concerning a lot of people and my Twitter feed. I keep on saying, Oh my God, the market's going to crash. Market's oh. going to crash. Everyone's, that keeps on getting brought up more and more. <laughs> it seems like, so I think, you know, with commodity prices coming down, bond yields coming up, it'll be interesting to see how, or bond yields going down, uh, mm -hmm. bond prices going up. It'll be interesting to see how the market kind of continues to move. Um, and you know, especially the FOMC meeting or whatever this week. You know, 2023 interest rates, that's when we're going to see our first hike. I think if, if that is true, market will continue up, but we'll just have to see how inflation kind of continues. Definitely. To me, just keep your eyes on the cues. The cues recovered well and also doing kind of the same kind of look. We want to see this get through. I, I talked today at 345 level on my daily podcast. Let's see if it gets up there through 345 and doesn't really take a hard crack down into kind of that three o'clock hour. We could come back towards the VWAP. That's not the biggest thing. The biggest thing I don't want to see is to go and is attack that low 340.16 today. I said on, on my podcast, let's hold 342 today. If, if it even could close above that, we'll be looking good because one of the things that we'd be doing is we'd be holding the support and going a little bit sideways. A little bit sideways is not a bad action. You know, as long as you can test down, testing down is a good thing. As long as you can test back up towards that resistance, get some volume through, maybe some momentum. All right, guys, we'll definitely keep an eye on that one. One that I have a, a, a watch I was looking to even add today if it got towards my entry, but it turned right back around was Tesla. I know Luke would kill me if I didn't mention Tesla today. I know he's been watching this one. I'm in it, baby. You guys know it. Money Mitch is in this one. I'm in at 607, looking to add anything below that. Really, I wanted to add on this day that we went to like kind of the 600, but the action right out the gates caught me. I couldn't get the red to green move, and it just shot up through that. Today, we pulled back closer towards the 609. I was even looking to maybe get 607, but it didn't even come there, and it reversed right back up there. So that's kind of the level in the, uh, level in the sand for me now, 610. Let's let's let 610 hold on on Tesla. If 610 breaks for me, I'll probably get out, guys. But if this continues going for here, I think we could go for a run for 700. Look at the daily chart. We need to get back above this high around 628.90, maybe 630s by the end of the week. So that's what I'll be looking for in Tesla. Looks like a pretty solid trade, Mitch. You know it. You know I I I don't take many uh, high price stocks, Drew. That's 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 true. Reason why is a lot of times it's going to tie up my capital, right? And so I'm not going to be able to diversify in as many plays. 
The only time I like to do this is when I feel I have a level to go off of that's close. Because, I mean, the 600, we, we went down below it, down below it, down below it. Now we finally cleared above it. Now I have a level to go off of. Worst comes to worst, it goes back to 600. What I lose? Seven bucks? I mean, if it goes to 700, 800, 1,000, I mean, that, that looks like that's a good brilliant. return. That's called risk and return. That's all I do. Some people call it bottom feeding. Hey, and some people like to eat. They are what they eat, right? I mean, hey, what can I say? Hey, B, what's up, dude? Well, I'm just waiting for uh, waiting for Neil here to get get technical started. Oh, <laughs> Neil's getting ready. I don't know where he's at. Maybe we no gotta... worries. We got get technical right here, dude. We're the All right, let's get, let's get technical. Let's get technical. Oh, wait. I think we got boys. You see what we happened? Got you see what happened? We talked too loud, Drew. Yeah, he <laughs> he heard us. Um, yeah, but yeah, Mitch, good luck on that Tesla trade. I'm kind of, whoa. The dogs are barking. Dogs are barking. I'm I'm waiting to see kind of what Tesla does here because I want to see if it, if we'll get back up to these previous highs or if it will continue to kind of where where'd everyone go? Why I'm up here alone. Um. You know, I, I think maybe we could see some more hurt in Tesla in the in the short term. Long term, I love it back to eight hundred, back to the highs. But right now, I'm, I'm I'm staying on the sideline. How do you feel about it? Yeah, Tesla was a very old uh, position of mine. I actually bought my first shares pre-split around two twenty. Fortunately, uh, I got out early, and that that kind of crushed my soul. So I haven't made a trade on it since. Um, but, you know, it's at an interesting point. It, it's a really interesting company for sure. It, they're definitely killing it. That new Plaid is, is looking like a good car. It's got that PlayStation 5 inside. So you buy a Tesla, comes with a PlayStation 5. That's kind of Wait, high. really? I didn't even know that. Basic. So the chip in it is very similar to like a PlayStation 5. And they're playing, um, uh, what's that game? They're playing like, like a, it's like a GTA type of game, whatever, um, in there. Valorant. Ah, not Valorant. Oh, it's gonna bother me. It's like a fu- some future game. I, I can't believe like I Cyberpunk. Like, I was Cyberpunk. Yeah, it was Cyberpunk. Yeah, they're playing Cyberpunk. I don't like the dash. It was pretty nuts. But yeah, I mean, they're definitely cars of the future. Um, Supercharger network. They gotta they gotta up that a little bit, in my opinion. You know, they only have twenty five thousand worldwide. Um, but you know, it's a it's an awesome car, and um, we'll see how the sales continue to move. What's your thoughts? You know, like I said, I'm just kind of hanging out in the on the sidelines for right now. I think, look, I don't think Tesla's dead by any means. I think we'll see that next rip up back to where it was, but I just don't know if it is right now, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So are there any trades other than, um, what was that? Not RoboBlocks. What were you looking at earlier? Uh, um, the win. I, I was looking at win. Win, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that the uh, the main trade you're in right now? That is the main trade I'm in right now, Drew. I do got to hop out of this show into the next one, so join us on Get Technical. Um, and, and maybe we'll talk some more about wins, more about Roblox. All righty. Sounds good. All right, Drew. Thank you for hanging out with us today. All right. Peace. Peace. <laughs>